Hey, I wonder if you can open your Bibles up and Judges, have you got a Bible with you? Judges chapter 6 and verse 12. Judges chapter 6 and verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Oh, isn't that good? The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Oh, I love that. That's how God likes to talk to people. You know, mostly in the world, you find yourself getting put down everywhere you go. People sort of had put downs. You know, they often put you down through jokes or put you down just by speaking uh, negative words about you or gossip or criticize. But when you get near God, God talks to you differently. See, when, when people look at you, they look at your past where you've been, they look at your failures, look at your mistakes, they look at where you are now. But God looks at your potential, what could be. And when God speaks to you, He speaks into your potential and your future. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Praise the Lord. I want to just share some things, some keys, some things from the story to just lift our thinking, lift our spirit as we begin the beginning of this year. And uh, we're going to look particularly at just how God speaks into Gideon's life and how God wants to speak into your life the same way. The same Spirit of God who spoke to Gideon would speak to you exactly the same way. I am with you, you mighty woman of valor, you mighty man of valor. There's no failures in the kingdom of God. There's no put-downs in the kingdom of God. God speaks to what you could be. He sees you and calls you just like He sees you. So maybe right now in your circumstances, things aren't going too good. You've got lots of precious problems. Looks as though there's mistakes and every kind of thing around you. But God looks through the eyes of your destiny, the eyes of what He designed you to be, and says, that's a mighty man of valor. And He calls us to stand up and become what He says we are, to fulfill our potential. So we're going to read and just look into this book. I want to share with you just a little bit of background because if you don't get the background, you won't understand why God needs men of valor. Right now in the 21st century, Gideon's gone. He's just gone. He's into history. He's one of the men of faith that the Holy Spirit wrote about uh, in the book of Hebrews. But now's our turn. This is your turn. And I wonder what heaven will say of you. Did that person rise and become a man and woman of valor or do they just remain defeated, living below their potential. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the Bible has many, many stories of the, in, of the interactions between His people and the tribes that were around them. The tribes that were around them were full of idolatry, full of perversions, child sacrifice, every kind of evil. And so there was a continued contention against God's people. And the people of God had promises from Him. And so, in order to possess those promises, they had to actually engage and enter into natural conflict. And so, this is a story about some natural battles. And we're going to look at the enemy and have a little bit about them, but I want to pick on the main things tonight is about what God has to say. Now, in the New Testament, it refers to these battles, and it says, our fight is not against people. You're not fighting people. Our battle is against wicked spirits in the spirit world. Ephesians 6, 12, we don't fight against, uh, fight against flesh and blood. You actually have spiritual adversaries. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not there. You feel their presence. You feel their activity. 
And if anyone looks around the community, you can see clearly something incredibly destructive is at work in families. Some of you have experienced drugs. Behind that drug was a seducing spirit that had one thing in mind, destroy this young man's life. Some of you have been caught up in other addictive things. Behind it was a wicked spirit, had one intention, destroy that young person's life. Some of you have gone through some major battles and pressures, uh, conflicts and various things last, last year. Behind that was spiritual powers saying, destroy their life, steal their future, steal their potential, fill them up with sin, make it impossible to build a healthy, good marriage and a good family. Anyone who looks around our community and nation sees clearly there are invisible forces at work to destroy young lives. The key challenge is whether you will be a young person that will yield to those invisible forces and follow the course of our society, or whether you'll stand up and become one of God's man or woman of valor and make a difference. You can't make a difference if you follow the crowd. You've got to stand up, and it helps if you understand what you're pushing against and what you need to do to get the victory. So in this particular story, we find here that there's a battle. Now, the battle that we fight is a battle for the souls of people. All through history, there has been a battle for eternal destinies of people. God's intention for you was you would have a relationship with Him and an eternal destiny with Him, and it would be outworked by you being creative and productive on the earth. Assigned against every person are wicked spirits that seek to draw you out of relationship with God into compromise, into destructive sin, so that your destiny can be stolen. And so we're fighting a spiritual battle. In this particular case, let's read a few verses. Now the children of Israel, verse 1, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Sin opened the door for all kinds of destruction. So the, the Lord delivered them in the hands of Midian for seven years. And Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves dens, caves, and strongholds in the mountain. And when Israel had sown, the Midianites had come up, and also Amalekites and people of the east, they would encamp and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave nothing. Verse 5, they would enter into the land to destroy it, and Israel was greatly impoverished. So we see here there was a natural enemy, and uh, the name of that enemy was Midian. In the Bible, most of the names of people and places had some meaning associated with it. When you understood the meaning, it, took, it gave you an insight to what was happening. The name Midian means literally contention, strife, quarreling. So the whole nature of the Midianites was to contend, to strive, to quarrel. It means to contend, to have dominion and subdue people. It means to contend, to get victory or superiority over something. So when you look at the Midianites in the story, we need to keep in mind they are wicked spirit powers that seek to contend for superiority and dominion over your life. Just because you don't see them doesn't mean they're not there. You can't see the air, but it is there. Lots of things we can't see, but they're there. The invisible spirit world is very real. And so the Midianites, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're namely literally to strive or contend. The Bible tells us in Proverbs uh, 20 something, the Bible tells us Proverbs 28, 25, 
that pride produces strife and contentions. So when you're looking at the Midianites, just think it's a spirit of pride. Pride. I can go it alone. I don't need God. I go it my own way, do my own thing. Nobody tells me what to do. I run my life my way. It's a spirit of pride. Pride says, no to God, I'm doing my own thing. Pride comes before destruction. And the Midianites uh, are known in the Bible. Let me give you a few things that they did. Uh, in the case of Joseph in the Old Testament, the Midianites were, uh, they, they trafficked in people. They were, uh, they trafficked uh, in human traffic, human slavery. And so they, they gathered up Joseph and they sold him to Egypt. So when you're thinking of the Midianites, you're thinking of spirit beings which want to get a hold of your life and bring you into bondage and slavery. Second thing that they were noted for is found in Numbers 25, and the Bible tells us that they were idolaters, and they were involved in extreme sexual immorality, and they came to try and seduce the people of God away from a life with God so they could destroy them. So when you're thinking about Midianites, think about a spirit of pride, invisible spirit that works to stir up conflicts in your relationships, conflicts and quarrels in your life, draw you to sexual sin, draw you to immorality, and try and get you to sell out to the world. So your life comes in bondage, and you just don't look anything like you should be. You look just like the people you meet in the street held in bondage. How many know what I'm talking about here? Okay, then. And so it's a spirit of pride. Now, the Bible tells us as a result of, of being defeated by the Spirit, it tells us three things happened to them. The first thing was, and you can actually tell if you've been defeated by one of these things, the first thing it tells us is they were hiding away in caves. They were hiding in the caves. Now, I've met heaps of people who are hiding in a cave. No, they're not in a physical cave, but when you look at them, their, their spirit is hidden away, their inner man is shut down, they're full of insecurity, full of fear, full of rejection, full of uh, pain, and so they hide themselves. You never meet the real person. How can you build lasting relationships if your inner man is locked up, hidden away, and in a cave because you've been hurt, defeated in life? If you're going to build strong relationships, you have to actually learn how to be whole in your soul and allow your heart and spirit to flow into the relationship. It's how God designed us. And so the first sign or the first evidence that they were overthrown was that they were shut down on the inside. I found as I go around New Zealand, heaps of people who are shut down. Their lives are shut down by fear. There's control all around them. They're insecure. They're trying to control their environment. And they're locked away. You never get to meet the real person. You never, ever meet them. Second thing is, it says the enemy encamped around them. Uh, the enemy encamping around them meant they were under constant pressure all the time. And uh, I see today people who struggle with heaviness and depression. person who's struggling with heaviness and depression, I can tell you now, spirit beings got around your mind. They've got around your soul. They've shut you down. And the person who's heavy and depressed, there's no life in them. And it, not only that, it drains your energy and causes sickness. So we see, these are some of the evidence. Here's the last one. They were greatly impoverished or they were weakened. There was no inner strength in their life. They had no strength to stand up. There was a constant harassment, and they seemed to be failing in life all the time 
the things they were trying to do seemed to be frustrated all the time. Now, have you met anyone like that? A person who is shut down in their soul and spirit, uh, they're insecure, hidden away inside themselves. You can't ever feel like you meet the real person, or maybe they're oppressed or depressed. Maybe there's a constant frustration and failures in their life. You can say this, that person is subject to demonic spirits. They are living in defeat. They are living well below what God intended, and they don't have to stay there. They can be set free. And the question is, who will be the champions of God who will go forth and set them free? Because when God looked at this, he heard the cry of despair. I'm sure in our community, there are heaps of people that when the doors are shut, the lights are out, or they they go out, they look up and they say, I wonder if there is really a God. I wonder if there's any answer for me. I wonder if there's any way I can get out of the mess I'm in. Friend, God is hearing those cries and he's looking and he's looking for champions, mighty men, mighty women of God who will dare to make themselves available to God to bring a release to those who can't get free because they're enslaved. There's no medication can get rid of a demon out of someone's life. There's no medication can fix up spiritual oppression. What it takes is a stronger spiritual presence and power to defeat that thing and make it go. And that's where you and I came in because Jesus said in his last assignment to the church, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Nothing will in any wise harm you. He said, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out oppressing spirits that trouble people. The question is whether you will be one of those people or whether you are in defeat. And so in the midst of it, the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And if I could try to compress anything, the Spirit of God is wanting to speak into your life tonight. God is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now let's share just a few simple things out of this. See? God is raising up mighty men of valor today. I've met many of them around the world, and there's some of them here, and I want to see more of them here. I want to share with you some four keys that come out of this passage here. Notice, he had an encounter with the angel of the Lord, or he had a spiritual encounter that resulted in God speaking words into his life that changed him. So the first priority that we need to make is to develop Intimacy with the Lord. Intimacy with the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said. He said in John 14, verse 16 and 17, The Spirit of God who has been in me and working through me, you have seen Him has been with you. He will be in you. One of the promises Jesus made when He left this earth was He would not leave you and me alone. He would not just leave us with a book of words He promised he would put his spirit into every person that would receive Jesus Christ as Savior. The Spirit of God would come into you, and you would be born again. You would be forgiven of your sins, and you would be positioned as a child of God. So it can be said, the Lord is with you. He's in you. That's what God said. That's what God wants you to know. Wherever you go, if you're a born-again believer, the Spirit of God is in you. You need to know you're not alone. Where you go, God goes with you. You go shopping, 
He's with you. You go into the school, He's with you. Go to the workplace, He's with you. Wherever you go, He is with you. Notice what God tells him. God is with you. What makes a difference is your awareness of the presence of God working in you and upon you. You must develop an awareness that God is with you. How can you make a difference if you're not confident, I am a representative of heaven and God is with me? That's why in the Bible God says, fear not, I am with you. We sing that song, fear not, for I am with you, fear not. You see, that's the whole purpose. God wants you to know, I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. I am with you. He said, I'll be with you. This is what makes the difference in your life, is being conscious that God is with you. You know, before you can sin, you must become, you must lose your consciousness God is with you. You have to ignore the Holy Spirit. And when you go into a place of sin, you are ignoring His voice telling you not to go there, not to be doing that kind of thing. You have to shut down your awareness that God is with you to the point where you grieve and hurt Him. And there'll be people here tonight and you have shut down the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life by the things you're saying and the things you're doing, and God wants you to be restored into relationship again so you are hearing His voice, experiencing His presence, opening your life to Him. Why? Because He empowers you to fulfill your destiny. We need the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. Why do we pray? I need to pray. Why do I fast? I need to fast. It's not because I have to. I need to and I want to. I want more of God and I want less of some of the other things. So we need to be aware. To be effective and have impact, you need to be conscious that God is with you. And that takes time. You build a prayer life. Your first step is receive Jesus Christ as Savior, then in your walk. Let me ask you this. What is your prayer life like? Are you arising to have time with God? You become like the people you hang out with. If you hang out with God and begin to cultivate an awareness of His presence, He begins to change you. Your life begins to be changed. As you meditate on His love, His goodness, His faithfulness, it begins to become a part of your life. You have to do something to be aware of the Spirit of God. God wants you to be aware of His presence, not just when you come into a meeting and you've got a grand musicians and singers, and, and you suddenly become aware the presence of God is here. Listen, you can become aware of God anywhere you are. All you need to do is quieten your soul from all its turmoil, begin to realize that within you is the Spirit of God. Begin to honor Him and thank Him and express appreciation. Tell Him how much you value Him. And as you fix your mind and heart and begin to speak, you become conscious that God is with you. You practice that till it becomes natural, and through the day you can be aware God is with you. It makes a huge difference to how you run your life. The first thing is, you need to be aware of the presence of God listening to Him. Second thing, here's the second thing, number two, embrace who you are in Christ. You need to embrace what God says about you. Now, I guess if I was to ask about you, people would tell me all kinds of things about you, but what you and I need to do is to embrace what God says. Notice he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Who are you? Well, you are who you believe you are. You are the result of the predominant thinking that's around your life. 
And you and I need to listen to what God says, this is who I am. If I listen to other voices, I'll agree with them, and then I'll be a different person. God says wonderful things about you and me. The question is, what voice are you agreeing with? Are you agreeing with the voice of your failures? Because your failures speak to you. In the end, you agree with them, well, I'm a failure. Are you agreeing with your disappointments? Then you'll be, I'm disappointing, and life is disappointing. Are you agreeing with your past mistakes? Then soon, I'm a mistake. Are you agreeing with your family background, which may have been difficult or troubled or a broken background or abusive background? Then you have no value because that's who you are and that's where you've come from. Are you agreeing with these things? Are you agreeing with the injustices of life? And Well, I'm always treated unfairly. What is it you are listening to that you are in agreement with? Is it the voice of devils that torment you about your past? Or are you listening to what God says about you? You are my beloved. You are the apple of my eye. You are my child. You are precious in my eyes. You are an ambassador of heaven. You are a temple of the living God. You are a mighty, valiant warrior, a champion for the living God. You will not live past what you believe you are. If you believe there's greatness in you, you will move your life to rise to the greatness. If you believe you're a mistake and a failure, you will do all the things that will reinforce that. You and I must break our agreement with failures, mistakes, errors, what people have said we are. You have to listen to what God says about you. And the moment you got saved, he said, you got a new start. You're a child of mine. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. You're new. Hey, I'm no longer the old me, and I ain't living that way. The problem is when Christians stop connecting with the Holy Spirit, start listening to things in their mind that are lies, voices of their past and their various failures, they, they just live out a dull, weakened, powerless, empty life in a shell. But the life of the Holy Ghost gives, He's got joy. He's got life. He's got vitality. He's got creativity. Why? I'm a child of God. I'm connected to heaven itself. I'm not a nobody, and I don't measure who I am by what you say. I don't measure it by how much money I have. I measure it by what God says. I don't measure it by the car I drive. I measure it by what God says. I don't measure it by my position in society. I measure it by what God says. I talk to many people in some parts of our city, and, and you can tell that they're, they're, they're so pressured by the, the people they're with, that it's all about, i got to look good, i got to have a nice house, i got a nice car, da, 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 da. they don't know who they are. You are more than your possessions. You're an eternal spirit being. God says you're precious. You're pre I don't care what anyone says, God says you're precious. God says you're valuable. And maybe today you're not even a believer, not even a Christian. Perhaps your life has got all kinds of hurts, pains, and brokenness in it. Nevertheless, God says about you, you are valuable to Him. You are precious to Him. And He seeks to honor you. He seeks to put value on you. He seeks to raise your value. Sin devalues us. Our mistakes and past devalue us. But God wants to continually increase our value. 
So God honored us by sending Jesus Christ from heaven into the earth to come among us. And now he honors us by putting his spirit in us. He honors us by inviting us into relationship of friendship with him. He honors us by inviting us to be partner in helping change a community. He honors us by speaking words of value. That's God. I don't know whose voice you're listening to, but that's our God. That's my God. That's the, that's the God of the Bible. That's what he does. Around you, people say all kinds of things about you. I know if you listen to God, he'll tell you something different. He says, you're a princess. You're a prince. You're a mighty man of valor. There's so much potential in you just to be unlocked. Get connected and get arising inside. You've got to break your agreement with all that stuff. He has designed. Now listen, when God said this to Gideon, he's there hiding. He's hiding and he's afraid. God says to the man who's hiding and afraid, I know you're hiding and afraid. This I'm not going to talk about that. This is what I'm going to talk about. I see in you a mighty man of valor. Rise up and fulfill what I see, what I designed you to be. God sees us not according to our past, but according to his design. He sees what he designed us to be, and he made no failures. Do people fail? Yep. God made provision for the failures, so you don't live out of failure. You live out of awareness. God is with me. I'm his child and precious. Remember what anyone says? David didn't look good when he's in a cave, but he was a king. Joseph didn't look good when he was in a prison, but he was a prince and a deliverer for a nation. Gideon didn't look much when he's pressing the wine in hiding and fearful, but he's a deliverer for the nation. You may not look much right now, but God says you're a mighty man of valor. question is, whose voice will you listen to? The voice of your circumstances, feelings, failures, past, voice of demons, or will you listen to the living God and let something stir in you to rise up and say, I was born for more than I'm experiencing. Will you wear? Here's the third thing. Stop limiting God. When God spoke to him and said, you mighty man of valor, look what he says. Verse 15, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Uh, my tribe is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. So he brought up three objections. Number one, I'm Manasseh. I'm from the tribe of Manasseh. It's only a half tribe, not even a full tribe. Then he tried another excuse. He come up and he says, well, actually, our, our clan or our, our particular area of the tribe, that's actually the weakest in it all. And he says, I'll come up with my third reason, and that is I'm the youngest in our family. Everyone knows the youngest doesn't do anything much. So he comes up with all his excuses of why it is he can't be what God says. What excuse are you using? Well, you don't understand my family. No, but I know what God says. Mighty man of valor, stop making excuses. Stop having in your mind reasons why God couldn't use you. Stop putting in your mind excuses for doing what God says to do. He kept bringing up these excuses. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do more exceedingly abundantly than you are asking currently or currently thinking. God can do it. He's willing to do it, but you've got to change how you think. Change what you ask for. Fantastic. Change your thinking. So stop limiting God, see? 
Stop limiting. So when God spoke to Moses, you know what Moses says? I can't. I can't. And God says, I have sent you to be a great deliverer. Uh, I can't. No one listened to me. You know, I can't talk all right. And, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And in the end, God just said, stop. There's no excuse can stand in my presence. Stop making excuses for not embracing what I have purposed and designed you to fulfill. Stop the excuses. Stop the blaming. Stop all the reasoning. Why don't you get to realize that I, before time began, I designed you for this purpose and for this very moment. Why don't you agree with me that I'm with you and will help you do it? We've got to get an agreement with God about our personal life. Stop listening to the wrong voices. Listen to what God says about you because he's got a destiny for you. He's got something he's designed you to do. He's the only one who can tell you what to do. Make yourself available. The woman uh, in, in 2 Kings 4, the prophet came and said, I want you to feed me. He said, I got nothing. I don't got a little bit of oil. So you got nothing much. He said, all I want you to do is make available what you've got and I can use that. Little boy who had the fishes, there's 5,000 people. You can't feed 5,000 people with just a handful of fish. He said, nevertheless, I make it available, and God worked through it and said, that'll do. Don't look and say what you've got and haven't got. Why don't you just step up and say, God, I'm available. Here I am, Lord. I'm available for you. I want you to work through me, and you start stopping. You stop limiting God, and you begin to expand your thinking. Now, how do you expand your thinking? You find what God says about you. You listen to God, and you dream with Him about what could be. What could be? What could be? What could be done through me? What could my life become? You need to dream and begin to think about the future, what you could be and what you could do, because it's not limited to where you've been. And finally, the last one is, you need to embrace your assignment. In Judges 6 verse 14, the Lord says, Go! In this your might, save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Sent you. Notice there the word sent. This is what God says. He says to him, go, go, I have sent you. That word sent means to send someone on a mission. I have a mission. Get to it. In the New Testament, they use another word. They use the word apostello, from which we get the word apostolic. And that means to be commissioned by God to fulfill an assignment that involves spiritual conflict and winning the souls of men and women. And so God apostolically sends everyone here. If you're a believer, God wants you to know He sends you with mission. You're not in your workplace, school place, community or area by chance. When you are there, you are a sent person. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I send you. The same way I was sent with a mission, seek and save the lost, destroy the works of the devil. The same way I was sent from heaven's assignment, I send you. If you do not embrace God's assignment for your life, you'll fill your life with many other things that will steal your destiny. Get to the end of your life and look back and say, well, what was all that about? There are many people die full of regrets because they pursued the wrong things with their life. 
They poured their energies, their passions, their life into things that never satisfied. You get to the end of their life, what was that all about? Some of you tonight are pursuing things that can never satisfy. Why don't you pursue God's plan for your life? Maybe you'll become a doctor. Maybe you'll become a teacher. Maybe an engineer. Maybe someone creator. Maybe a designer. Maybe who is infinite variety. But it starts when you start to agree with God, break the limits, and begin to discover what God called you to do. Notice what God said to him. Go. I am with you. Go. I am with you. So discover what God called you to do. If you're in school, I can tell you one thing now. God has called you to reach people in that area. Wherever you are, God has called, He's commissioned us, the whole church, go. Matthew 28, go, I'm with you. Go into the community and make a difference. Don't tell them what they're doing wrong. Love them and bring the presence of God to them and build them up, encourage them, do things that touch their lives. But don't step on a high horse and start to point down at their failures. You're only on the higher ground because God's grace lifted you there. Best place if you want to win someone is you get on the lower ground as a servant, which is exactly what Jesus did, and you look up to other people and you serve them. You serve them with the gifts of God. You serve them with your time. You serve them with the flow of the Spirit of God. You serve them with friendship. And the goal in it all is to win them and snatch their lives out of an eternity of sorrow. Hallelujah, man. So you know what? We need to start, you need to arise in prayer. Young people, start to arise in prayer. Arise in prayer. Now, listen, wherever, wherever, wherever God positioned you, that's your area of responsibility to clean the devils out of it. Oh, I don't know what to do. Well, come along to a seminar and learn what to do, but don't say it's hard. Don't say, oh, you don't understand how tough it is. Do something about it. God doesn't want you being wimpy Christian. He wants you to be a standy uppy bold kind of person that makes a difference. It's not afraid to look into a situation which is obviously oppressed and distressed and take, take dominion and clean the devils out. I remember I had one of the most difficult funerals I ever took. It was a, as a woman had committed suicide and it was the mother of someone who was in our church. There's huge distress over it and uh, the instructions in her will was for her to be cremated and so the service was held down the crematorium, down an orchard road. And I went in there and I'm thinking, oh, Lord Jesus, this has got to be the bleakest place I've ever been in my life. You're full of sorrow and heaviness and the smell of death virtually. And as I stood in there, I had a couple of people with me to, to, uh, to bring some music in there. I said, we've got to change the atmosphere. And while I was in there, I felt the Spirit of God put into my heart. Now, He dropped it so quick. I didn't even stop the thing, I just did it. And I had two people with me, and uh, they, were, they were just standing there, and they're getting ready to do the music and, and whatever, setting up a little bit of sound. And, and as I was standing there in that place with all that heaviness and oppression and, and distress and grief and realizing lots of people are coming in who are full of grief, I felt the Holy Ghost say, you need to clean the demons out of this place. And just as quick as I heard it, I just said, spirits of grief and death, out and swept the hand like that and so the whole atmosphere changed. The two people with me said, whoa, the change was so dramatic. We asked the Spirit of God to come in. You know, you would never have known you're in a crematorium. The presence of God came into that service 
The love of God started to touch people. They just lingered there. Now, no one lingers in a crematorium. You know, you get in and get out as quick as you can and don't look back at the smoke. You know, that's it. You know, get out. And, uh, but, but people lingered. And the reason they were lingering was because the spiritual atmosphere had changed. There was peace and calm instead of grief and death. And the presence and love of God was there. And you could feel people connect. You could feel the change that took place. But it was my job to shift it, not blame it. Too often Christians are blaming. Stop blaming. Stop excusing. Change spiritual atmosphere. Get in your classroom. I'll be teaching the teachers how to shift an atmosphere in the classroom. One of my uh, seminars I'll teach how to shift atmospheres. How to change an atmosphere. How to shift and sweep it clean of all the demons that invade it and then keep it clean. And what that does is it frees people to open their heart and see what they didn't see before. They still have a free will. They still make their choices, whether it be good or bad, but at least they're free to make a better one. And you're called to make that difference. You're called to be a champion of God, to step up and sweep the atmosphere around you clear of demons so there's an atmosphere of joy and strength and confidence and boldness that in that atmosphere, people can make better choices and respond to Jesus Christ. Friend, it's your day and your hour. Don't complain. Step up to the mark and say, God, I'm available for you to use me. If you're in a school, get praying over the atmosphere in your classroom, over the atmosphere around your class, over the teachers. Start to pray. Sweep the atmosphere clear of negative spirits. Release God's blessing and peace and better learning into that situation. And then ask God to bring one other person so you can have two of you doing the same thing. When you got two, you got a majority for sure. So you and God, a majority, got two people, you get the power of two or more that Jesus spoke of. Then as you get into this place of prayer, then start to look for opportunities to reach people. They will come. They will come. They will come. Many times, people are frustrated and witnessing to others because of the presence and activity of spiritual powers shutting them down. Get stronger in prayer and bolder in your witness and sensitive in what God is doing at a particular time. Man, this is a great hour to be alive. This is now, you know, when I, was growing, when I was starting out in the Christian church, gifts of the Spirit were rare. Next week or something, I'm going to teach you how to flow in them. It's easy. It's become available for everyone. This is a great new hour to be alive and to be serving the Lord. This is your hour. God wants you to become a champion, a mighty woman, a mighty man of God. I know there's someone here went off into India, into the darkest place of India, wouldn't find a white person go, and brought God to them. That's a champion. You probably don't even know who it is, but it's a champion for God. And there'll be places you'll go, I'll never hear about it. Perhaps it's for you, it's standing up against the crowd. Perhaps it's saying no and everyone's pushing against you. Perhaps it's just stepping up, presenting yourself more strongly, coming out of the cave. Perhaps it's breaking a bondage in your life. All of these make you a mighty man or woman of value. Perhaps it's something that's always put you down. When you stand up and defeat it, you're a mighty person of valor. You are living out your destiny. Why don't we just lift our hands to the Lord right now? Father, we just thank you for what you're doing here. We thank you. Many, many lives. Many lives tonight 
are making decisions. Listen, this is the choice I want you to make. There are two choices tonight. I speak to one group of people. If you're a young person, older person, wherever person here, God will speak into you tonight to make yourself available to Him, to stand up and start to agree with what He says and break your agreement with other voices, to make yourself available and to begin to reach out beyond yourself into the community. If God's speaking to you that way, why don't you come up and lift your hands to the Lord just right across the front of you tonight. We're going to lay hands on you that a spirit of boldness would come upon you. What it'll do is it'll begin to stir your prayer life. Out of prayer and intimacy with God comes boldness. If that's you, why don't you step up and say, God, I've been defeated long enough. Tonight, I'm coming forward. Perhaps you're in a place of compromise, all kinds of issues going on in your life. Step up and say, God, no more compromise. Perhaps you're in bondage to these Midianite spirits. You're in a cave of fear fear or rejection or insecurity. Why don't you say, I'm coming out of my cave. No more cave time for me. Perhaps you're being uh, depressed and oppressed. You say, God, no more depressions for me. Perhaps you're here tonight and you're weakened by the various things that have come against you. And you say, God, no more weakness. I will be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Why don't you come and say, God, no more weakness tonight. I'm not agreeing with my weakness, depression, and insecurities. I'm making a stand for you. Perhaps there's others here tonight. You realize God's saying, stop messing around. Mean business with your life. Please don't walk out of here tonight still stuck in your addiction, still stuck in your sin, still stuck in your compromise. Say, God, I'm living a life that's, that's, that's way below what I could be. Tonight I come back to you. Thank you, Jesus, for people responding tonight.